I was looking at a, a Greek word this week, and I, sometimes I wonder why the Lord has me teach certain things. I, I don't know. But the Greek word is the English spelling here, mysterion. And I believe it's the word we get mystery from in the English. And as I was looking at this word, the first thing that came to my mind is, is there a difference again in the Greek word and the English word? And there's not much, but there's just a little thing that I, I have down here. And then I was looking to see where this word was used, and I was actually surprised. I mean, we know the verses... Uh, a lot of the verses that this word is used in, the word shows us something, or at least to me, it shows me how much I do not know and how much that the Lord has actually shown us. Now, the, the basic meaning of the word in Greek, and maybe I should give you the English meaning first, uh, the English meaning is a secret people have tried to uncover but have failed. The Greek meaning, and there are several, one of them is that which is hidden. And the second meaning is this, that which is not known before with the implication of being revealed to at least some people. See, not all that God has hidden has he brought out and shown. Uh, you can be around people, and the things that you know and you and I take for granted related to the gospel, people are in total ignorance. For example, two people were walking, two women were walking, and the one woman says, and yeah, this preacher said, told me that I have to be born again or I can't see and enter into the kingdom of God. And the other woman says, well, that's preposterous. That's ridiculous. I never heard of any such thing. Where did he get that? And the other woman says, he got it from the Bible. And it was very funny because, I mean, I didn't hear the conversation, but I heard someone talking about that, saying that. That the things that we know and understand from the Bible are hidden for the most part, even sometimes to Christians, who, or we should say this way, those who call themselves Christians. And to the world, they hear some of these things. They hear these phrases. They may read a billboard and says, you must be born again. And they have no clue what that's talking about. Now, there are different mysteries in the Bible. And I was actually amazed at how much we, as I said, we take for granted, how much we actually have heard and understand to, to some degree of the different mysteries in the Bible. Now, what I did was I listed them, and then I put the verse, and some of them there's, it's mentioned in, in various places, more than one place, but I put the verse in my notes so we don't have to turn to some of them, so I can just read them. And some of them, as I, as I said, are very familiar to us. For example... The mystery of iniquity. And Paul says to the Thessalonians, For the mystery of iniquity is already at work. Or uh, the word uh, iniquity means lawlessness. The, the mystery of lawlessness is at work. And 
you probably have experienced it in your life, maybe before you were a Christian. Or you can see that in the world, in people, where there is something in them that always moves toward lawlessness. It always moves away from the promises of God, the truth of God, and and that is, is there in them. A good way of saying that is that there is a a concealed depravity in man that man is really not aware of. He doesn't really understand to the depths at which the depravity of, of the Adamic nature in him can take him. And men move along in their life and they, they function in what they, they know and do, and you see this with some individuals where they start to, to spiral downward. And because of the decisions they make and other things that come to bear in their heart and their spirit, they move a certain way. And as it says in Hebrews, that there is a pleasure for sin, a pleasure for a season with sin. And they move toward that. And just as you would move toward God and you would receive certain things from the Lord that would begin to develop a spirit in you like Christ, the same holds true with some people who go after that. They throw off all restraint. They don't want to hear anything about the gospel. They don't want to hear anything about the truth. And they go after that. And there is something that pulls them further and further and further, and the depravity of the nature, the carnal nature, the nature of Adam, will take a person to a depth that they never really realized that they were going to, and never really realized that they were going to end up. People today end up in places, spiritually speaking, that they never thought they would ever be there. They thought that this decision and that decision, I'll do this, I'll do that. They thought that, you know, things would be fine with them in their life, only to find out 10, 15, 20 years later, they're in some particular thing that they they are just tied into that and they're in a free fall. And it's not something good. And so there is this mystery of iniquity that works in mankind and takes them somewhere, takes them further and further and further uh, away from the Lord. How does that work? I have no idea. Uh, you know, how does that which with, it's within a person of the sin nature carry them and pull them toward greater and greater and greater, uh, I don't want to even use the word loss, but as far as all that God has for them moves them further and further and further away from that. What is that? I don't know. It's the mystery of iniquity or the mystery of lawlessness that's contained within man. And then you have, on the other side, Paul talks about the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness. You know, how, how did God... Now, I know we're born again, but I mean, how does that happen? I mean, it's a miracle, but how does God do these things? 
how does he take of his character and somehow, okay, here he is in his holiness, you know, in, in his uh, loving kindness and all these different attributes. How does he take those things and bring those things into a human being? That's a mystery, as far as I'm concerned. I know it happens. But the mystery of godliness. And uh, I'll read this. It says, now when Paul says this to Timothy, he is doing like a gospel synopsis. And he's very quickly outlining the direction of uh, the, the godliness or the character of the Lord. And Paul sees how that has come down. He says this, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received into glory. So Paul sees this thing moving, and he calls it a mystery. Mystery. How did the Lord place his godliness in you? Oh, he, I followed him, I did this, I, did. I know that. But I mean, how does he do these things? You know, whenever you stop, I know I think about things like this once in a while. And it makes me see the Lord in a different way in that he is really, really big. And he can do things that we are totally unaware of how he's doing it, how he's accomplishing it. And before you know it, you walk with him for some years, and something is in you. How did it get in you? How how did he do that? The mystery of godliness. And Paul sees that thing moving, you know, from him down, manifested in the flesh through Christ, believed on in the world, and then moving back up to glory. You know, he puts that glory in you, and then he's resurrected. You know, quite a plan. God's plan of salvation is something that man could never think of. No man could have ever come up with his plan. Never. But the Lord did. And he brings that out. And even if you have a grasp of certain things, and you study and you see it in the Word, and you experience it in your life, Still, I find that sometimes it's like it's beyond me. I mean, the, the understanding of it. It's, it's there I see, but it's like it's beyond me. How does the Lord do these things? How did he accomplish this? How did he touch your life? How is he doing what he's doing to bring you along as a Christian? All these different things. The mystery of, of godliness. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 6. So there was the, the uh, mystery of iniquity, the mystery of godliness, and now it says in uh, Ephesians, the mystery of the gospel. Well, we, uh, we know the gospel. We hear it preached. But there, there's a mystery there. Verse 19. And for me... That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery 
of the gospel. Now, we know that the gospel is a mystery to people in the world. You know, and sometimes I believe that it's a mystery to us, even though we have experienced a lot. Do you know that the main source of revelation for us is through the Word of God? We know and understand, and we have formed our, a, a type of thinking based upon what God has revealed to us through His Word. So we have the revelation of God to man, and he takes that, and he, at times he brings that to the individual Christian. But think about this. This is not all God, of God. I'm, no, let me rephrase that. This is not all there is to God. See, the Lord is much bigger than the Bible. And there are words that he can speak that are different words than we're reading here. Now, I have always thought about this. <laughs> Every once in a while, the Lord brings this back to me. And I don't know why, why this is, but probably because I look at the language, I look at the words, the usage of the words quite a bit. But think about this. All the words we know in English, or in any language, you know, we, we know, I don't, I don't know, five, six, eight thousand different words. Now the Lord's going to take words, all the words from the English language, he's going to take them and put them in a certain order. When he puts them in a certain order, now he can bring that out and that contains spirit and life. My words are spirit and light. How, how does he do that? That is the communication of the gospel from the heart of God brought out through a language as the words in that language are formed in a certain sentence or paragraph or what have you. The mystery, how does he put life, how does he put spirit and life into words arranged on a page that he speaks to you. It's quite something. See, he can do a lot, a lot. And sometimes I, I look at that, and, you know, if you change the, a couple uh, verses, let's for, say, for example, you add 10, 15 words here or there, then it does not have the impact on a person's heart and life. It's not spirit and life anymore. But as God puts it together... It's a mystery how he does that. But yet he does that for us. Then you have, well, let me just read one more verse. This is from Colossians. Even the mystery which hath been hidden from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Wow. The Lord had these things hidden, a bunch of things, all kinds of stuff he has hidden. It says here that he has in times past, hidden them, but now he has brought them up and revealed them to the saints. And, and the context there is dealing with Jesus Christ being the head of the body and then, you know, being the head of the church. A great mystery. And so the Lord has all these things hidden. But we have been privileged to hear and respond to the gospel 
having the Lord touch us, having the Lord change us, so that the things years and years and years ago, thousands of years ago, that were hidden, even to those in the Old Testament that they wanted to look into certain things, but the Lord you know, didn't show them. Now here we are, and the Lord has taken these things and revealed them to us. What a tremendous responsibility and a tremendous privilege to have the God of the universe who has kept things hidden, and now he's going to show them to me? Who am I? Who are you? Well, he shows them to you because you have responded to him. That's why. You have responded to the mystery of the gospel. And because of that, he opens it up and he starts opening things up and and showing you things. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was a young Christian, immediately the Lord had me you know, studying certain things in the Bible. And, you know, you get to a place where you say, well, I know what this says and this means here, and then over here in this portion, I know what this means and I know what that says. And you get this, this attitude that the Lord has to come and correct, and he takes your eyes off of all of that, all of what you think you know, to place them on him, and then when they're placed upon him, he takes the mystery of the gospel now and begins to unfold that a little bit at a time. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that the Lord has come and reached me and touched my life at a young age when I was a young man and has given me the opportunity to walk with him and serve him, and love him. And I am so thankful that he did not leave me to myself in the place of dissatisfaction with life. But he's taken me out from that and set me on a path uh, that he has ordained for my life in order to put certain things and give certain things and open certain things to me and you too. You too. The mystery of the gospel. Taking spiritual things and bringing them to you. Putting them in you. Giving you an understanding of things that weren't known before. Oh man, that, that, when, I, when I think about some of these things, I say, Lord, I, I feel about this big. <laughs> Lord, you know, sometimes... Uh, a while back, for a, a gift, I got this um, series uh, on the Second World War. And my father, who was at the, the, um, the landing at Normandy, he was in the third wave. Never talked about it. And, until right before he died, I asked him something about it, and he was you know, sharing some things with me. And if you know much about it and you watch any documentaries on it, you you know that a lot of people died. And then he he came on to Normandy and never a piece 
of shrapnel touch him, never any lead hit him. And then he moved on into the Ardennes, which was another part of the Battle of the Bulge, another bloody battle in Europe. And he went throughout the whole Second World War, never getting a scratch, not one scratch on him. And I've thought about that. And when I think about it, I say, if, if my father would have died over there, I would have never have been born. And I would have never have had the opportunity to respond to the gospel and to know the Lord. I would have never been born. And I think about that, and it just touched me. I said, Lord, who am I that I can see your hand there in that? And then even when I was younger, the Lord spared me many times where I should have died on occasion. Why? For myself, for my children, for others, I don't know. But, but I look at it and say, Lord, you know, who am I that you've given me the opportunity to respond to you, the opportunity to respond to the gospel? And I, I feel like really overwhelmed sometimes, and I say, Lord, help me to walk with you and not to take this walk for granted. You know, not to just slough it off and not be diligent in what you've shown me to do. And, and walking with you in, in that which you've shown me. Because sometimes we don't get the impact of the gospel, what it has done, what that has done for us personally, in our life, in our family, how that has impacted our family and all, we, all the people we're, we're associated with. The mystery of the gospel. Wow. And then you have the mystery of, of the faith. Holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. The mystery of the faith. What, what's faith? Well, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And, you know. But what, what is it that God does through his word that touches us that sparks this faith in us. Something he puts there through his word in us that now is sparked and, and moves toward him. <laughs> and, and then it says in, in Romans that the righteousness of God, or you could say the godliness of God, is revealed from faith to faith, from one measure of faith to the other. When you respond to the Lord in faith where you are, you know, he, he brings you to another place in faith. And in that journey there, that little journey, there is a revelation there. And you're, you're re something is revealed to you. You know, uh, the righteousness of God, you start to see it a little more. Because he has done something mysterious. The mystery of the faith. The faith, you have faith in you. I mean, how, how do we get that? How does he do these things? <laughs> He's something. Now, turn to Colossians. Because, uh, you know, sometimes I, I read the verse and I say, Lord, how did I miss that before, you know? In Colossians 2, don't get so big in your thinking thinking that you know too much. 
thinking that you know God. Now, the Bible says that we do know God. But there's a lot more that we don't know. We know enough to take us from this life, enough to, to glean certain things, to, to allow him to put certain things in us. But the one who created the universe, everything, and knows how every little thing works. You watch some of these, uh, these animal shows, you know, uh, like uh, what's the one, uh, Marty Stauffer? We, we like watching that. And you watch and they talk about these different animals. and You see man, how he tries to examine one animal and, and figure out what's going on with this one animal. And here you have God who created thousands and thousands and thousands of animals, plants, uh, millions of insects, and he knows every little thing about them. Structured all the DNA that there is, every single atom and molecule, he knows the direction it's moving. And we think we know God. Well, we know him on a certain level. And that's what we need to know. But he's a lot bigger than that. Jesus is a lot bigger than we know. You know, we know he died for us and all that. But he has a depth that none of us have experienced. None of us. And Paul, as far as Paul went... He says that God and Jesus Christ are a mystery. <laughs> Paul, the apostle, wrote a third of the New Testament, or however how much he wrote. Tremendous relationship. He's gone on pretty far. Here's what he write, writes in Colossians 2.2. 2. That their hearts may, may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he says, well, you know, God and Jesus Christ, the Father and Jesus Christ, it's a mystery. Mystery. So, no wonder, you know, I, I was thinking about this. No wonder the Lord has in Proverbs these seven things I hate. The one he lists there is pride. You know, man thinks he knows all this stuff. You know, we see people in the world, and they, they carry themselves. I know this. I know everything there is to know about this subject. And sometimes you see Christians the same. I found out that I know very, very, very Little. I thank God for what I know, but I know very little. Paul says the mystery of God and of Christ. Mystery. And then there's a familiar portion of Scripture here. I want to read one verse, but turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29. Now, Jesus says this there's a mystery of the kingdom. And that also is hidden to those in the world. And there is some of it that's hidden to a lot of Christians. 
you, you know, you just can't, you have to, you have to walk with him. You have to move in the spirit. Uh, you have to allow him to take the kingdom and, and bring certain uh, characteristics to you through your deciding to, to walk with him. And certain virtues that are, are there in the kingdom so that they, they become in you and you start to move in them. But Jesus says to those that he's, he's preaching to, he says that there is a mystery of the kingdom. He says this, to you it has been given. And I really like that because it shows that the Lord wants to reveal certain things to you. He wants to. They're hidden, but he'll reveal them to you if you walk on with him, if you follow on to know him, if you walk with him where he is showing you to walk, then he, he takes these things a little bit at a time and he brings them out and shows them to you. But see, Christians sometimes, they want to know certain things. They want to, to understand certain mysteries, but they never come into understanding because their lives are not lining up so that the Lord can actually start to do that in their life. But he says, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all these things are spoken in parables. See, they're hidden. He hides them in a parable, not revealed to those. What, what's the difference between it's given to them and those on the outside? It's basically a heart condition. Those on the inside have certain heart condition. Those on the outside have a different heart condition. And the Lord says that the mystery of the kingdom will be revealed to those. It's given to those who are and have a heart like a babe. Certain heart condition. And those who it's not given to, it's just in parables. They can read the parables. They might understand the words with their minds. But there's never any inner grasping of the reality of the kingdom of God and how that is moving, how that is to move toward us, in us, and back out through us. See, that, that's a mystery, a mystery of the kingdom. And, and the Lord takes these things and reveals them to you. I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting to me that the Lord would show you and I certain mysteries, that we would be able to comprehend it, not with our mind, but there's a comprehension within, and that comprehension equals a walking and a moving in that. See? Not knowing it with your mind, not knowing it in your head, but there is something that transpires within. And now, because of that, because you have received that, you have a heart that would receive that. Now there is a walking in the kingdom. You, you start to move in kingdom principles. 
You, you walk in them. You might not even understand. You might not even realize you're walking in, in kingdom principles, but you are. God has revealed that to you. And, and just as one example, and, and we've heard this before, you know, the way up is the way down. You know? You want, you want God to exalt you? He, he exalts the humble. You go down, and he brings you up. See, that's a kingdom principle. Well, how are you going to move in that? Well, you can't move in that in your mind. There has to be something that takes place in your heart. And then there is a, a, some other things. In Deuteronomy 29, 23, that verse. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So uh, the secret things of the Lord, he takes and he gives them. And when he gives them, they're for you and your children forever. Very nice. And you have a few other things that you have the mystery of, um, in Revelation where it talks about Babylon. It says um, it was inscribed on her, her head, uh, Mystery Babylon. And, and that's something a little different. I don't want to spend any time with that. And then you also see in Revelation... Um, one and one and two, I think it is, where Jesus says it talks about the mystery of the seven stars, and he's just he's taking that mystery and he shows it to them, and we read it, we understand. See, but there is one thing I want to show you in closing in um, Ephesians one, and. It seems to me that this is the, called the mystery of his will. It seems to me that a lot of these other things actually come under this, uh, the mystery of his will. Uh, and in nine, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good purpose, which he has purposed in himself... So that would be a per, having the Lord show you the mystery of his will personally for you, but it's actually not just talking about personally, it's talking about, you know, for the entire church, you know, um, collectively, where he, he shows the mystery of his will as you begin to walk with him. He shows you the bigger picture. You know there's, there's something much bigger than you personally. Okay, the church, the bride, however you want to say, you know, there, there's more. There's more than just you and I. There's a, there's a lot more. This the mystery of His will. He takes that and He begins to open that up. Uh, the the mystery, and Paul even says this um, in Galatians, and, and we'll, we'll close with that in a minute. He talks about the mystery. Uh, of the church, you know, his bride. And that's quite a work of the Lord to take that which has been hidden and bring that out for, for us to see. But more than that, just seeing it, to start to move toward that, into it and toward the purpose of his will for the church collectively. And I don't mean just this church and some other church. You know, I'm talking about 
worldwide, the, the body of Christ, to move toward this union that he has, the mystery of his will. But under the mystery of his will, you see the mystery of the Gentiles. And that's another thing in Romans where uh, Paul talks about uh, the, 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 the olive tree, and he says, you Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were taken by the Lord, and he grafts you into the uh, cultivated or the true olive tree. Because they rejected Christ, they were severed, and he takes the Gentiles. And remember that in the Bible, in the Jewish setup, all of that, the Gentiles were mainly excluded from most everything. There was only certain things that they could you know, come into, and then you know, they were on the outside of most everything that the Lord was doing with the tabernacle and, and, and so on. And so this whole thought, see, we were Gentiles brought in uh, to the kingdom. Uh, we become circumcised in heart, in spirit, and become Jewish, so to speak. But that type of thinking to them was totally foreign and alien. There was no understanding of that for the most part, with all the Jews in the Jewish nation. And that, is, that, was, that one thing became a very difficult thing for the Jews to deal with. And Paul says, I'll try to provoke you to jealousy. And their jealousy ended up rising up in them to kill many of the, of the Christians. You know, the Roman Empire killing all these people. Uh, and so on. So you have this mystery of the Gentiles that is another tremendous privilege that we have, that God would have taken, taken us who were on the outside and brought us in until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And then there's another direction taken. God's going to take a different direction toward, toward the Jews. And also under um, the mystery of his will, you have uh, the mystery of him gathering every one or everything together. Another mystery. Um, and that's in, in Romans. Let's just look at that, uh, excuse me, in Ephesians, just for a minute. Uh, Ephesians 1, we looked at verse 9, verse 10. That the dispensation... Uh, of the fullness of time he might uh, gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, and bringing them all into him. And this word uh, dispensation is oconomia. That's a word we get the word economy from, even though the definition is a little different. Uh, it means to manage or... Uh, where he's bringing about the salvation of God through, through the world, or another way to say it is it's, it's actually a meaning, the arrangements of God, the economia of God, his arrangements, how he has things set up uh, in his, the mystery of his will. See, he has 
a certain economy, a certain uh, arrangement that the Christian is to fall under. The Christian is to come under that uh, and surrender to him so that they can begin to move in God's arrangement, his, his economy, his economy. And then you have another mystery, and that is Christ and the church. And we'll close with this in Ephesians 5. I kind of had to shorten what I wanted to show you here toward the end. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. How, how, how do you get a glorious church? How is the Lord going to get a glorious church? You know, you know how he does it? Listen to the word, glorious. He puts his glory within. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's another mystery spoken of in the Bible that was hidden in times past, but now is revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And see, we know, we understand that. That mystery, we've been able to partake of, uh, to a degree, of these mysteries. They've been brought to us, and, and we have an understanding in our heart, and we are moving in these arrangements, these mysteries, uh, and, and are moving toward uh, a consummation that the Lord has hidden in the Scriptures that most do not understand and see, and, and that is the union with Christ. Union with Him. Verse uh, 30. For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall, be, uh, shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. Now, if you look at that verse, that is a direct quote from Genesis 2, I, I believe, 2. I think it's in 2 or 3. And Paul, who knew the Scriptures, he read that verse. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And he saw this. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He saw in that promise there in Genesis that the Lord was, was taking. And you can't get that from the reading of the verse. It's something that is hidden in spirit. And the Lord had to take that hidden thing and bring it out and reveal that. That he's, there is a, a, um, a hidden meaning in there that he is speaking of Christ and the church. Christ and the church. So the Lord has quite a bit hidden. There are a lot of things that are mysteries. But yet, you and I have been privileged to have the Lord bring the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of his will and his purpose to us personally to touch us and change us in a way to, to where now we see him 
and we can start to move toward the ultimate fulfillment that God wants, not only in our lives, but that he has purposed in the church, bringing us into that which we could have never been brought into before, only by the grace and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for you and I, was he able to bring us into this place where now the opportunity is there out before us and all we need to do is walk with him, allow him to have his will and his way in our life and move toward him and and be brought into something that has been a mystery for ages, for ages. Being brought into that which he has for you and I. Tremendous, tremendous. How can you compare anything to this? How can all the riches of the world compare to what God in Christ Jesus is offering us? It doesn't compare. And I feel sad sometimes when I run into Christians and they're interested in everything else. And their heart is not pointed toward him, their heart is not wanting him, there is no pursuit of the Lord within them to draw them in the direction that they need to go to bring about the fulfillment that he has, the the grand fulfillment for the church. Very sad. But my prayer is for all of us that the Lord would touch us in such a way that we would never be the same, ever, ever. And that we would not become weary, but that we would continue to walk with him, allowing him to bring that which he desires to us, and bring us out into a place where now these things that once burdened us down, that once caused us to turn to the side, that caused us to view and see and behold other things, the things of the world, that no longer would that have any pull on our heart and life. As you walk with him, the draw and the pull of the world should become less and less and less, and he should become more and more and more in your vision. Him being held up, you beholding him, and saying, Lord, all I want is you. That's all I want. I don't need anything else. I've had all but what I need, but more of you. That he would be the center. That he would be our heartbeat. Our heartbeat. I pray that he would touch us and seal us.